Christ in you, the hope of glory. Such a, a powerful statement, brimful of meaning. So let's ask the question, what is the inner working of the Holy Spirit, which comes from God, which is the mighty power of God, through the Holy Spirit? And why is this? Well, is it not for the perfecting of the saints of God in Christ Jesus to become kings and priests in the kingdom of God? We had a look at some of the scriptures which talk about this inner workings. There were two that we have not fully covered. So let's just do a brief summary of the several scriptures, the seven or eight, in fact, that talk about the inner workings, the inner workings of God within his saints. Now, what do we mean by a saint? Is that somebody that has been made a saint by a particular church or denomination? The answer to that is simply no. A saint, by the biblical definition, which is the word of God, which comes by the power of God and the authority of God, is that anyone who has been converted through God's calling, through repentance, through baptism into the covenant of death with Jesus Christ and raised out of those waters with baptism to the newness of life. All those people are saints. And no church has any authority to proclaim who or who is not a saint. Only God has that power. So let's quickly look. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 that talks about the inner workings of faith. Next, we go to Ephesians chapter 1, and we covered this in previous messages. The inner workings of his mighty power. Now, the word for power usually comes from the word dunamis, or in one place it's dunata. And it's interesting because we have the word which comes from this, from the Greek term, in the English language known as dynamite. Now, dynamite was invented by a Swedish scientist, industrialist, and he also was the one who was the founder of the Nobel Prize, and his name was Alfred Nobel back in the 1800s. So dynamite. You know, the power of God working within us is like dynamite. It has so much power to destroy everything within our lives that is not of God. God has given us that power to work within us, to overcome everything that is being thrown at us by this world, by Satan, and also the powers that still continue to work within us, as Paul calls them in Romans 8, the sin that dwells within. God has given us and is giving us every day 
the power to rule over that sin within, to defeat what Satan is attempting to do in our lives. And also, it gives us the power to resist everything that's taking place in this world, the pressures that Satan brings upon us through this world. Ephesians, the third chapter, was the inner workings of his power. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, powerful writings. Some of the most mature writings in the New Testament come from the Apostle Paul. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, really worth deep study. Here in Ephesians 4 and verse 16, it talks about from whom all the body, that is the church, those that God has called out, that God has planted his Holy Spirit within, fitly framed and compacted. So this is part of the power of God and the inner workings within the saints. We are compacted together by that which every joint supplies. So every member of the body is to be active, using this dynamite power that God has given to us to make sure that we are fit together with our brothers and sisters in the faith, which every joint supplies. Each one of us has something to supply to the body of Christ, his church, who Jesus says was the church of God. But all churches together, of course, they're the churches of Christ because he is the founder of that church. According to the inner workings in the measure of each individual part. Amazing. Is making the increase of the body. So as we grow, the body is increasing. The body of the church. The coming government, the kingdom of God. Into the edifying itself in love and that is the key factor the love of god within us and all that power that god has and is building within us one of the major factors is the love of god and that love is what binds us together as members of the body but that love also that love of god within us binds us substantiates us in that communication and that relationship with God through prayer and study and fasting. Philippians, the third chapter, we have the statement, the inner workings of, again, his power, the inner workings of his power, his dynamite-like power within us, the inner workings of his own power. Do we realize that? That the power that God has placed within us is his own power. Let's come out of Colossians 1, where we took the opening statement from. In verse 27, God did make his will known. To whom God did make his will known, what are the riches of his glory? And God did this through his apostles, and namely at this point, the apostle Paul. To make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. It had already been made known amongst those in Judea. But now Paul was taking it out 
to the churches, the Gentiles, meaning the other nations, which were not of the house of Israel. The mystery of Christ. And what is that mystery of Christ? He carries on and he says, which is Christ in you? The hope of glory. Let's repeat that. The mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Jesus Christ is in you. Jesus Christ is within you. He is within us. If we fear God, we're faithful, and we keep his commandments, beginning with the Sabbath, his holy days, and all the rest of his commandments, the first four, of course, identifying who God is. The first four, the law of God, as contained in the Ten Commandments, reveal who God is, that he's a jealous God. And he is not going to tolerate any one of us running around worshipping some other God or some other idol or idols that we create in our own mind. No, God wants us to worship him and him alone. Why? Well, God has got so much he wants to do for us. He's got so much he wants to give us. He's got so much for us in the future, which he wants us to accomplish. And once we have done this, once we have qualified to take place with Jesus Christ in the ages of eternity, to begin with, as kings and priests in the kingdom of God, then on and beyond that. Continuing, verse 28. Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, admonishing every man. Yes, we all need to be admonished. Problems come when we refuse admonishment. If we read the book of Proverbs, and we see comments and statements of admonishment and correction, and we reject them. What is the book of Proverbs, which is the words from God's mouth? What does it call us? It says and calls us, we are fools. And that's not talking about somebody that's absent of mind and has a mental issue. No, these, this is talking about people who are absolutely stupid because they refuse to obey God. Rebellious, hostile. That's on the one side. But if we are exercising the, through the inner workings, this power, this mighty power of God within us, we can throw it aside. And we can join together as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ as one unit. Doing the work of our Father in heaven, as Jesus said to his parents, did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? Well, you see, God the Father has enlisted you as a member of his mighty army to be about his business doing his work, and he is using us to fight the battles of this world, the battle against the enemy, Satan. And all this is teaching and training us and bringing us to a place of perfection where God is going to be able to use us 
at a level beyond our imagination. Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, verse 28, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, and that wisdom, of course, is godly wisdom that comes from God, it comes from his word, and as his Holy Spirit helps us to understand and comprehend the depth of God's word, so that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the goal of the ministry of the gospel of all the elders, is to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now that can be accomplished when we are attentive to the word of God. When we are being guided and led by that inner working of God's spirit. Notice what Paul says as, as an elder and as an apostle. For this cause, Paul says, I also labor, striving, laboring and striving according to what? According to the inner workings which works in me with power. You see, Paul was not relying on his own strength. He said, I have no confidence in the flesh. His confidence was the inner working of God's power, God's dynamite power within him. Colossians now, the second chapter. He talks here about, I'm just breaking into the context, but it says in verse 7, we read, being rooted and built up in him. How do we do that? Well, through the inner workings of the Holy Spirit, being confirmed in the faith. And we know God's spirit within and the conviction and the substantiation of his word in our lives convicts us. And we know that we are confirmed in the faith. If not, then we need to hit the ground with our knees and we need to cry out to God and we need to stay on our knees until that faith is reconfirmed. Or if you never have had that experience of the confirming of your faith, you do that. You cry out to God. He hears you. He will answer. But you've got to be sincere. I have got to be sincere. And another thing, we have got to be prepared to become living sacrifices. Now, that's another subject. But just briefly, how much do we have to sacrifice of ourselves to be a living sacrifice? Maybe a tithe? 10% perhaps? How about 20%? Or 30%? 40%? Ah, that's it. 50% question. If we are 50% sacrificing our lives to God, does that make us Laodiceans where we're neither hot nor cold? No. God wants us to be committed 100%. That's our commitment. That's our battle. That's our warfare. That's our struggle to get rid of everything that is not of the mind of Jesus Christ. 
to have our minds totally filled with the mind of Christ and to overcome those strongholds in our minds and the vanity that dwells within, as Solomon says. He says, everything I've labored to do, you know, without God, he said, it's all vanity and so much just wind, nothing. Waste of time, emptiness. He's accomplished nothing. And that's mentioned about seven times just in the book of Ecclesiastes. Verse 8, here's a warning. For the brethren in, uh, in Colossae, where there were problems in all of the churches because of false prophets and false teachers. And I, I just read about another one who's claiming, he's already claimed that he and his wife are the two witnesses, but now he's also claiming that he is not only an apostle, but also a prophet. The last apostle and prophet of the end time. And God has personally given him the understanding of John's writings in the book of Revelation. You know, there's a scripture in Corinthians that says, you know, be wary when you boast and not to boast yourself in front of people. But let God reveal who you are. So this man's trying to reveal and, and tell everyone he is not only one of the two witnesses along with his wife, but he's also the last time apostle and prophet. Sounds a bit like to me Messiah complex. Uh, sounds to be a bit like delusions of grandeur. I think Paul's words uh, really put paid to that. Continuing. Here, pick it up in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, by which you have also been raised with him in glory, yes, the new man, now ready to make progress towards the perfection that comes through the word of God and with our communication with God, our love for God, our love for the brethren, through the inner workings of God, let's read that again, having been buried with him in baptism, by which you have also been raised with him in glory, through the inner workings of God, who raised him from the dead. For you who were once dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has now made alive with him having forgiven all your trespasses. So we see that we have this inner working of God's spirit. And when we go back to make the first chapter, what do we find? We find that Jesus Christ, God somehow reduced him into a sperm cell and placed him in the womb of his mother Mary. So here was Christ literally, physically, personally, was in the body of Mary. Now, that is to show us that what God is doing is putting a spiritual seed, 
a part of himself within each one of those saints, those who have committed their lives totally as a living sacrifice to God the Father and Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus grew in his mother's womb, the mind of Jesus, which is also the mind of God the Father, that they have planted that spiritual sperm cell in our minds and in our hearts, that is to grow so that we can grow in the grace and the knowledge of God the Father, that we can become like the Father so that we can let the mind of Jesus Christ dwell within us, so that we let the words of Christ dwell within us richly, and more and more each day as we submit, as we allow the inner working of God by utilizing that spirit which is working within us, we grow. We grow into perfection. We grow into being more and more each day the children of God, which God calls us. We are his children. He doesn't adopt us. No, we were converted. We were begotten in the spiritual sense, like Jesus was begotten in Mary's womb. Isn't that an incredible picture? It's absolutely amazing. However, there's one inner workings that we need to be very aware of, and that's found in Thessalonians, the second chapter. So let's look at that, Second Thessalonians 2. For the mystery of lawlessness, we're beginning in verse 7, is already working. Now, we see that in the world today. We've seen it in the church. Only there is one who is restraining, that is the mystery of lawlessness. There's only one who is restraining at present time until it arises out of the midst. And, of course, we know that that is Jesus Christ. And everything is working out according to the plan of God exactly at the time he says, not as this other man I was talking about uh, thinks or says, and he sets dates that uh, have already uh, kind of upset his whole program. And verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, and will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even the one who's coming, now listen to this, even the one who's coming, is according to the inner workings of Satan. So we have a choice, and our choice. Are we going to allow the inner workings of God's spirit, or are we allow, going to allow Satan to take up our time? Are we going to allow the world to fill our lives and what we do and all our activities? Well, you see, this then is wilderness, which is Satan's tool, and it is in our lives, if we allow it, is the inner workings of Satan. And again, working with all power, signs, and lying wonders. 
Doesn't that remind us of Revelation 12 and verse 9 about Satan has deceived the whole world? Now, because Satan has deceived the whole world, this is what has happened. The whole world is influenced by the inner workings of Satan. And Paul addresses this in the book of Philippians also. So we have those two inner workings. Now, you know and I know which one we want to select, which one we want to be a part of. It's the inner workings of that almighty power of God. It is there. We have access to it. And in that sense, it's, it's unlimited to the degree that we need it. God is there, in one sense, waiting on us to claim his power of the inner workings. So that his inner workings are not just 50%, but they're going to go on to perfection to 60%, 70%, 80%. Maybe we'll be cut off before we can reach 100%. But in the resurrection, <laughs> the inner workings of the Father and Christ within us are going to be 100% as we enter into immortality, which God is going to give us. There are many other scriptures, and I would encourage you to read them. For example, 1 John 3, we read, Behold, what glorious love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. Does that sink in? Well, certainly we hope so. For this very reason, the world does not know us. Yes, we're not a part of this world. As Jesus said to Pilate, when he asked him, you know, I'm your king. Jesus said, yes, I am. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Our choice at baptism, or if you have not been baptized yet, your choice is, do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, which is not of this world, or are you of the kingdom of this world and doing the things as everyone else in this world does? So the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is manifested, we shall be like him, because we will see him exactly as he is. Because, you see, we built his mind and his character through that inner working of his power that when we see him, we will instantly recognize him. And he will know us and recognize us. So we shall be like him because we shall see him exactly as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he, Christ, is pure. Now, what that means, of course, is that to the pure, all things are pure, but it is what is pure that is pure to the saints and to the pure. To those people in the world, what is pure to God 
is foolishness. They don't want to have anything to do with it. So there we have it. Those scriptures which talk about the inner workings, you know, seven of them, the inner workings of God through the power of his spirit within us, and in opposition to, contrasted with the inner workings of the spirit of Satan. The choice is ours. God daily wants each one of us daily to be making that choice to be sure that we are being guided and directed by his inner working, his power, which is so great that he just wants us to be participants with that, with him, and with all the saints.